What's going on guys, it's your man with the plan, Samuel Plan, coming back at you once again with another brand new installment of Sports Entertainment is Dead right here on Lords of Pain Radio. Thanks for tuning in guys, if you missed last week's episode you can still go catch that on demand, the way to do it is very simple, head over to Spreaker, head over to lordsofpain.net and you can catch my last episode of SCID on demand, you can also do it through your usual podcast provider as well. Please also make sure you check out all the other great shows here on Lords of Pain Radio. We have stuff coming to you each and every single day of the week, covering everything from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, TNA, Indie Circuits, British Wrestling, you name it, we've got coverage for it. So do make sure you check out all the wonderful shows. You can do so by subscribing. Don't subscribe to Lords of Pain Radio, but do subscribe to each of our shows by their individual name, and that way you can make sure you don't miss a second of the great coverage we've got for you here on Lords of Pain Radio. It is another week in my ongoing project for Sports Entertainment is Dead Year 2. If, of course, you're unfamiliar with it, and this is the first time you're tuning in, I take a guest host every single week and we explore a match chosen quite at random historically either by myself or said guest to explore the themes, the creative merits, the character, the narrative, its historical importance, anything that we think is worth commenting on. It's all inspired by my book 101 WW Matches to See Before You Die which you can still go ahead and buy on Amazon anywhere in the world. And of course, it's also the inspiration behind my second incoming book, which will be a direct sequel to 101, but will be focused specifically on the new generation era. Both of these books explore many of the benefits that come with watching your professional wrestling as performance art rather than as sports entertainment, which as the title of my show implies, is, in my belief, dead. That's what these match explorations aim to do as well. And this week, we have another Back joining me this week, ladies and gentlemen, he was with me last week as we discussed Bret Hart versus Hakushi. He tells me he's got a lot to say about this week's pick uh, of match, so I'm looking forward to recording this with him. And welcome in primetime back to the show. Welcome back. Thank you, Bob. We are, of course, on week two of Bret Hart season here on Sports Entertainment is Dead, as Prime and I are both huge Bret Hart fans. Uh, and we covered a lot about the sort of context of his career last week, so if you did miss, check, miss that, make sure you go back and check it out, folks. Um, this week we're talking about the WrestleMania 12 main event, 60-minute Ironman match, Bret Hart defending the WWF Championship against Shawn Michaels, 31st of March 1996. It's a pretty... Uh, iconic match it's also a pretty divisive match these days uh, and I'm going to kick off Prime by asking you the big question that gets debated by fans today something that um, I certainly severely disagree with uh, my friend Mazaron is this match boring short answer yes with an if long answer no with a but <laughs> give us the long answer right <laughs> The long answer is that there's a hell of a lot of stuff to like in it. There really is. And there's not really a bad performance anywhere to be seen. There's not a blown move. If you want a exhibition of the two great WWF wrestlers of the 1990s at the top of their game, you are hard pushed to find something better than this. And the last 20 minutes or so of it are about as good as anything you're going to see anywhere. So, yeah. but, but, 
you know, this is ultimately a medium where the audience is king. And there's a hell of a lot of people who do find it boring. Of course, a number of years ago. Is it as good as it could have been? Is it as good as it should have been? Those are questions that uh, you've got to wrap your head around when you come to the Iron Man match. And well, I think... Go on. I was just going to say, I think even though it's horribly truncated and it, you know, it gets cut off, I think when you compare it to some of what we get in the Montreal match, you know, that's something that you also have to put up against the Iron Man match as well. I mean, Montreal is a is a is a, a fa- I mean, you know, m- maybe I can convince you to come back on one day and we could talk about Montreal. Think, is it right to say your favourite wrestler is Brett? Ways, but uh, not least of all because it's a fantastic match that nobody ever talks about in terms of the match mm-hmm. um, but we're here to talk about the Ironman match so I must stay yes. on topic um, uh, I, I mean you've pretty much encapsulated mostly my own opinion on it um, though I would perhaps be a little bit more um, full on in saying simply no I don't think it is a boring match but I, I would certainly um, say that it's uh, I mean it's a product of its time firstly we kind of was talking a little bit about that at the end of the show last week um, about how people cared about results and stuff, and we'll get into, I guess, what is the the core creative content as much now as I always have. Um, but it is very demanding because it, it there are long portions, particularly in the first 30 minutes, that are quite slow. Um, yeah. I don't. I mean, for people, I've I've seen uh, or heard people in the past say that it's basically just you know, wear down holds, rest holds for the first 30 minutes. I think if, if that's your memory of it, you ought to go back and revisit it because there is, I think, a pretty decent amount of action in that first half as well. Um, but it's true that it really ratchets it up around the halfway point. Um, but uh, so I, 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 call it, I call it a demanding match. I think it's demanding in the sense that it demands that you pay attention to it. Um, but I think for me, the 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 kind of the thing to be cognizant of is that there's a reason why such long portions of the first half of it are you know just wear down holes and the like and it's you know on a very practical reason you imagine it's because of uh, you know a conditioning aspect and they knew they were going to be wrestling for 60 minutes so they you know they don't want to get exhausted halfway through but it plays to the story these two guys know they're going to be in that ring for for a 60 minute match so they're not going to wrestle it like they would do a normal match um, watching in more of a i'll watch things when i can get my hands on them uh well, and to were, in recent years is you'll see a two out of three falls match and they'll go into it being very cautious and, and wrestling it as if they know as if the characters are fully aware they're going to be there for a long time when it, from an in-universe perspective they have no idea how long they're going to be the WF and Britain at that point and it wasn't out of time that you've got to wrestle for so you're going to conserve energy you're going to hold back a little bit in, in, in at the beginning you're going to hope that they make a mistake before you do and I think it's Jerry Lawler in fact or Vince or both of them on commentary who throughout that first portion of the match, they talk about how this will be decided by the first person who makes a mistake, mm. um, which really contextualizes what... Could, mm. uh, but there was still... And a lot of that was magazines and things like that. You know, it's, it's a different era. Yeah, well, uh, but you follow it as close as you can, but there's still a world away from where... There are moments... Uh, and, you know, listen, it's a 60-minute match, so I would struggle to place where specific, you know, specific turns of events occur. But, but moments that stick out to me in the first half are moments like when Sean super kicks the timekeeper. Which is one of the one of the best executed spots ever, for, for the record. I, I mean, the, the whole way that they manipulate themselves around to that side of the ring and pull that off is just phenomenal. 
I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, but other moments like Sean, there's a moment where Sean runs to Brett in the corner and Brett throws him over the top and he just free falls over the, the turnbuckle right down to the outside. Uh, I think there's a there's a there's a launch from the top rope from Sean at one point to the outside. So there are moments in that first half uh, that that feel like big risks, uh, that feel like potential mistakes. And then you know, obviously, as I say, the match opens up as it as it sort of gets to the halfway mark. But I don't think that that you know, and this is the this is the point that I would really make. You can't get to the high drama of those final 20 minutes that you mentioned without the slower period for the first 40. I don't think. No, I think that's a fair comment. And uh, I think you can also say that the that first 20 minutes allows them to really play up the, the Iron Man aspect of it in a way that other people subsequently haven't really bothered with. Mm. I can remember watching the Cena and Randy Orton Iron Man match and, you know, by the end of the match, they, it, it was no different from they'd been through any other match. And frankly, it was no different than when they walked down to the ring. Yeah. Uh by comparison, um, I, I don't remember anybody else having that sense of the hour is a really big deal yeah. uh, in the same way that Brett and Sean did. Um, and that's not necessarily an old versus new thing, because I've seen hour long NWA title matches that didn't have quite the same sense of, you know, all the energy being gone. I mean, there's that moment where Brett's, you know, the end of that match, the really famous ending. Uh, you know, you can see everything etched, not just in Sean's face on the mat, you know, all that pain, but seriously, the efforts that Brett's put into all this, that he's just going to wrench in for all he's worth, all he's got left at the end of that. Uh, and you can't have that without the first 20 minutes. Uh, th- that's the point where the WWF probably gets closer to a sporting presentation than any other point, I think. And um, I'd agree with that as well, actually. Um, the, uh, the, I guess it's a case of this, you know, and they, 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 I think infamously there are videos on the internet of Brett wrestling hour-long matches with Ric Flair and Owen Hart on house show circuits, but uh, at least from a televised perspective, you know, they'd never, WWF had never done anything like this before. Six, A guaranteed 60-minute match, and they did it in the main event of their biggest show of that year, um, which is, is, is always risky to try something new in that kind of a position. I think shows the trust they had in Brett and Sean as performers to pull it off. Um, Absolutely. But, but it's a case of, of, and you've sort of already said this, but the, the point is the fact that it's an hour. Like, that's mm. that's the whole point. That's the attraction. It's not that it's an Iron Man match. It's that it's 60 minutes. Iron Man, match, Iron Man is just the fancy name they, they dress it up in. The, the attraction is these two, uh, you know, pull. For 60 minutes, which we've never seen in this company before, what's that going to look like? How's that mm. going to play out? Especially between, you know, the two preeminent performers of their of their time, who interestingly enough are worlds apart from one another. You know, stylistically they couldn't be further apart. One is is the risk taking chancer, and the other is is you know a, a grounded scientist, excellence of execution, aggressive insert wrestler here uh, and in actual fact there's not we even get to the match there's so much in the the concept and the prospect to sell people on um that it, i mean i find that ex- you could probably tell i find that exciting even now to think about and and i would kill for something like that today uh, you, mm. know, you wouldn't be able to get it today because of how overexposed everything is uh, and sure. the fact and the fact that we just witnessed a, a 45 minute long singles match at the last nxt takeover for christ's sake but mm. um 
you know the the hour is the point and they and and the whole match the design of it both structurally from the way we've already discussed but also the central sort of conceptual um concept that they go for with the nil nil draw at the end of it everything about it is based around the fact it's an hour long yeah yeah and i think it's it's crucial um to the whole appeal of the match and also its whole historical place in because it's one of the few WrestleMania main events to have a genuine big fight feel. I can remember that at the time, which is, I think, why you get such a, a display at the beginning of the match with Earl Hebner reading the uh, the rules and uh, match tapping them down, which you didn't always get with the WWF. It's a, it's a very 1980s thing to see. Uh, so to see it in 1996 was a bit different and a bit special. You, it's one of those matches, along with Hogan Warrior, Hogan Andre, uh, Rock and Austin, where they genuinely did capture a big fight feel for their main event. And I think it's probably got more to do with the stipulation than the participants, to be honest. That's interesting, because I would say it would be both in, in cohesion. You, you've already sort of toyed with it. Well, Talking about. I wanted to make, which is I think if you, you look through the company's history, you get these moments um, in, at various points in different eras where WrestleMania is headlined by a quintessential, you know, d- d- not quintessential, that's the wrong word, but Hogan and Warrior happening mm. and the way it plays out feels like um, what I loved was so, so they, they big colourful characters of the 1980s. Yeah. Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 17 feels like the absolute epitome of two megastars, you know, in an age where wrestling was basically sort of just epically staged you know, brawls on on, mm. on on a big backdrop. Nothing really much to that, but it struck me that uh, uh, it's sort of... Because uh, obviously that's just is any reflection on his talent, of course, really honouring Brett for his accomplishments. But it, it wrestlers wrestling, and you've already said, it's it's the closest their presentation gets to a sport. Mm. Uh, it's a 60-minute Ironman match. It's the ultimate... For me, it's a spiritual successor in its own way to Hogan and Warrior and a, a spiritual predecessor to what we would get with, with Rock and Austin. Um, I'm not sure what more, more recent equivalents would be, but um, well, there's that's a, question, a whole other conversation itself. You know, but, how many times has a WWF title match since the end of the Attitude Era had a big fight feel? A well, genuine big fight yeah. feel. That's their assessors in that spot. Um, and certainly, I mentioned Hogan and Andre, but if we leave that aside, because that's for a whole different reason, Hogan kind of a passing of the torch thing. You look at the other three matches we're talking about, they're all, all babyface matches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's, so, that's central as well. So, when, yeah, it, it definitely has to be a combination of the stipulation and the two, the two people uh, going against it, because there's something about that. In, in that era, you know, these are the legitimate top two. They haven't got where they are because of dirty tricks or there's managers intervening or, or whatever. These are the legit best two. You know, the two strongest in 1990, the two wildest, the two toughest in 2001, and the two best, yeah. for lack of a better word, in 1996. Totally. Um, uh, let's talk about, uh, and, and that's reflected as well. And wrestling. Or- what I've referred to a number of times already, that central idea to the match, which is they're going to wrestle for 60 minutes. Uh, the stipulation is most decisions at the end of that 60 minutes wins. There's no decisions inside of the 60 minutes. Yeah. I think depending on how someone feels about that idea will play a large part in defining how they, how they receive the match. Because for me, I think it's, I think it's genius. I absolutely love the fact that you have this sell- these money in the US will open up other markets and so that's where the tours to Germany the tours to Kuwait 
uh, all these other things came into it. And Brett was probably the biggest star in those places. Uh, the one thing of the year in that company, uh, and it's a stalemate. And I just, I think that's fabulous. You know, it's the, the one thing people possibly didn't, and maybe you can you can talk more to that than me, because again, I, I wasn't necessarily tuned, dialed in at the time, but perhaps the one thing that people didn't expect, and I love it when professional wrestling makes a ballsy decision like that. Like, I love it when it's creatively very brave and it will go for a risky decision, like saying they're going to wrestle for 60 minutes, people are going to expect whoever gets the most decisions wins and we're not going to have any decisions. Um, I just think that's that's marvelous. I remember another interview with uh, with Brett, which is a few years older now. I think it's even distracted. I think the people sometimes forget about when they talk. So I, I love the fact that in that sense, without Brett Hart and the Undertaker, people out there will be saying, "Well, I expected it." Bullshit, did you? <laughs> but literally, no one I knew expected uh, this match to go the distance. Everyone was saying, "Oh yeah, it's going to be two, one, three, two, something." You know, it'll be close, but there'll be falls. Uh, the one thing I think we can say, yeah, maybe it is brave, but is it brave for the right reasons? Uh, okay. we, we know that they only actually went with that format because Sean wouldn't take a loss. Right. So, you know, the original thing that Brett pitched was a 2-1, and then they were finding ways, you know, maybe a count out or a DQ that they could get him a fall that would then allow, you know, for a 2-1 final victory. But... Um, Ultimately, Sean and Vince backed him up on this. Said, "You know, no, I, I, I'm not taking a loss." So, so it was politics as much as creativity. They had to find an interesting way around it. Well, I think they. I will, well, that's a fair point for what it's worth. I think they found a very interesting way around it. And I, to be honest, if it's almost a moot point because I think it's a pointless exercise to usually do this. But, but if I think of that match and think of it ending two-one, I don't think it's anywhere near as dramatic for my liking. Um, because the other thing that I wanted to pick up is, uh, which is absolutely not the case in any Ironman follow-ups ever, um, is the first sharpshooter you see is the last sharpshooter you see, uh, and the first full-on switch in music that connects that you see is also the last one that you see and wins the match. Um, and you think about later Ironman matches, you think about Rock and Triple H, for example. When oh, they did. yeah. I love had, that. I love that, but it's such a mess. It's, it's, it is a mess, absolutely. But you get three counts off of DDTs and, you know, it's the kitchen sink approach. When you get to Orton and Cena, as you say, it's the kitchen sink approach that then is presented as not really meaning all that much anyway. Um, yeah, and, and they've got the horrible thing with the, what is it, three seconds left on the clock or something when you finally get the decision in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it may even be down to the last second. It's a real Hollywood ending and it just rings really falsely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only I have the other Ironman match is just as a side point. The only one that I think I enjoy as much as this one is the Angle Lesnar one. Mm. Um, but um, the uh, yeah, so the fact so the, but you wouldn't get if they played this match out today. Like if if you saw if we see a sixty minute Ironman match today, I would be shocked if you got to the end of the sixty minutes before you saw um, you know a finisher. Um, and, and the fact that that's the way it plays out, like the first time he gets the sharpshooter in is right as the clock is ticking down. Mm. And if and there's there's still like 60 plus seconds on the clock. It's there's over a minute to go. And usually I'm not a fan of someone locking in a, a, a submission that's meant to be their submission and someone then not tapping out for, you know, minutes on end. I think it's it's overplayed. And I think it's a little trite. It wasn't overplayed then. That's the no, difference. Absolutely, yeah. Usually when Brett locked on a sharpshooter, it was done within 
a number of seconds. Um, yeah. You know, two or I three remember, seconds. I remember watching this the first time. I, I, I was only about 11 years old. But I can remember watching it the very first time when he gets that holding with, I think it's about 50, 55 seconds on the clock by the time he actually sinks it up. Okay. And you're looking at it going, yeah, he's going to get the fall. Yeah, he's going to get the fall. And 10 seconds go by, yeah, Sean's really tough, but he's going to get the fall. And as it starts going, he can't last this long. And you just, you came out of your seat. But, yeah, I can imagine. But, but because it, pro wrestling is, is, is so simple, at, at one key thing. If you do something, rarely it works. And once now that thing has been overexposed and everyone's got to have everybody's hold and everybody does everybody else's hold and all this stuff, none of this stuff means anything. What would happen now if you run this match is that first 10 minutes would have people throwing beach balls around because no one would invest enough to get into it in the first place. So well, you... I mean, sorry to interrupt you, uh, Brian, but case in point would be when... Um, and, and to be fair, it wasn't necessarily the, the smartest you know the, the 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 most intelligently put together version of an Ironman match but when you know Seth and Dolph wrestled a 30 it wasn't even 60 a 30 minute version um uh, last year the rumble uh, countdowns the rumble countdown started and it's you know if you can't even get through a 30 minute match um without getting distracted these days uh, and and it, it you know it opens up a bit of a rabbit hole because then you get into discussions about you know maybe the wrestlers haven't done enough to capture the audience's attention or how much does the audience want to engage in good faith and you sort of end up going in in circles with people but uh, the, i think what you say absolutely stands i don't think that there is um the attentiveness to get through something like this with uh, if this exact match happened today with the way yeah, it's designed it, it would Bomb if you tried to do it today. It absolutely wouldn't work. How do you think that reflects the way that rest? I'm almost loath to ask you this because I don't want us to get into old man yells at cloud territory. But, um, <laughs> how how do you think that reflects the way that 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 wrestling has changed since 1996? The fact that you couldn't do this today is that because I would say without hesitation that that's for the worst. Um, and actually, one of the points that I've written in my notes that I wanted to mention, obviously, uh, you know, we know in the lead up to Montreal, Brett signed a 10 year contract um, and that he often talked about wanting to transition into a backstage role. And it brings up questions about what history might look like if, you know, if Brett had ended up in a, in a comparable position to what Triple H is now, if Brett ran NXT, for example, and how the whole way wrestling has evolved over the last 20 years. Um, more than 20 years um, well no 20 over the last 20 years how it's changed over that time period how different it might have been um, if say Montreal had happened the other way or if Brett had occupied that position that perhaps he was intended to when he signed that 10 year contract oh I mean that's the million dollar question isn't it I mean we've we've had so many alternate histories of Montreal I've written about 30 of them myself <laughs> um, yeah I think if the attitude era plays out very differently with uh, with the hearts there instead of uh, instead of the X, because they would have they would have been a, a you know a power block. The, the way that Hunter became a made man because of his role in Montreal, if it had gone the other way and Brett was there and he had the ten year deal, he would have been pretty much untouchable. So you would have had some sort of a bulwark against a lot of the nonsense that came in. Now whether that would have been enough to change the modern era because a lot of what we're seeing now comes from outside 
the WWE, and, and it's kind of bled upwards through. Whether Brett could and um, Brett and that group could have changed the culture to the point that uh, we don't have forty-five minute matches where everybody hits every move and under the sun and pulls up the ring mat so you can DDT people onto the boards and that gets a two count and you know the kind of stuff I'm driving at here. Uh, I'm starting to get more old man yells at Cloud. I can feel it. <laughs> We're all right as long as we get out of it before I start yelling at Cloud. Well, <laughs> then we are doomed. Yeah, I mean, the, the trouble is that it has led to less and less people watching wrestling. That is the the ultimate thing at the end of the day. The only reason anyone should care. If, if, if I stopped wrestling but there were 10 million people watching Raw, that would be fine. I mean, it'd be awful for me, but it'd be fine but we're talking about 75 percent of the wrestling audience has disappeared i guess uh, you know one it always plays on my mind this we're talking about the iron man match which is really sean's you know sean's moment he wins the match it's the whole boyhood dream comes true thing um and and that's one of the his victory in this is one of those and it kills me a little bit inside every time i have to use this phrase wrestlemania moments that they always (laughs) That they always, I feel like I need to go and have a shower. That they always, uh, you know, play in the in the highlight package. It's one of the the, you know, the quintessential ones. It's one of the the ones that they love so much. The boyhood um, dream has come true. Yeah, and and Sean's career, you know, and I know that there are there are there are fans, there are other LOP personalities who will argue with me about this till the cows come home, but Sean's career has been so heavily championed by the company and so heavily promoted by the company and by the way folks as a quick aside if you think the whole Roman Reigns push was nauseating you really (laughs) ought to go back and see what they were doing with Sean at the back end of 95 because it it pales in comparison Um, look uh, at the uh, the music video for Tell Me a Lie oh my lord please don't Um, (laughs) so um, you know and his career has, has, has really benefited I would argue from uh, especially his second career, which I don't think is even comparable to his first one in, in terms of, of quality of, of match. No, I'd um, agree. Um, has really benefited from that and from that machine getting behind him and promoting him as one of the greatest of all time and so on. And we already mentioned last week, you know, that Brett's career in turn doesn't really get that kind of same uh, affectionate um, affectionate treatment. I also mentioned last week, there's a moment in the greatest rivalries interview that JR did with them both where they talk very candidly um, where they're talking about WrestleMania 13 and Brett's response was, well, why would I want to wrestle Austin again when I've already wrestled him? He puts the integrity of the story first. Sean's response was to tear the house down, he says quite sort of glibly, which in one sense is a, is a, is a fairly decent argument to make. If the fans are going to love it, then why wouldn't you do it? But I feel like that is also the end game uh, for what appears to be from all the empirical evidence we have Shawn Michaels philosophy when it comes to wrestling, which is if the fans are going to pop for it, do it. And I think that that now, now that he's such a prominent producer in a product like NXT, I think you see that bleeding through entirely into that product. And I think what happens is because you're not putting the integrity of the story first, because you're not taking the art seriously enough and you're so focused on the end point that a match like this with that philosophy, this I'm sort of covering New Japan a bit with, with uh, Sam here and there, but um, and if I do in something that's just increasingly more dramatic, increasingly more hysterical is the word that I always like to use. Mm. Uh, Sean's definitely more in that mould than uh, than Brett and then several other stars in the 1990s. Yeah, yeah. Quite impressed with that face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he threw in lots of those little deep the people that are actually putting the matches together now, but 
it's probably bad enough that they kind of rub off each other and inflate each other. Uh, yeah, I, I think I agree. I think an Iron Man match now is just going to be an absolute. It's going to be shock and awe. Let's be honest. It's going to be just constant move, move, big spot, you know, and false finishes. Which is, um, and I can't remember how it's led into, but there's a wonderful moment where Brett sort of just jumps up on his fists. I've got, no, I've got, I've got no interest in seeing what one will look like. Let's, um, let's widen this out a little bit. We talked a lot about the match. We talked a lot about um, Brett and Sean as, as performers. Um, but in terms of, and you've sort of already talked about how it's how it's one of perhaps increasingly few um, title matches that that has a big fight feel, and that was very prominent at the time. There's there's only, and I, I always like it when Chris Jericho frames it this way because I think it's a cool way to look at it. There's only ever been 35 matches that have closed out a WrestleMania. Um, I perhaps don't put as much weight on that as, as some other fans do. Um, I'm not sure where you stand on that point, but my question would be where this sits in that pantheon because it's pretty high up on my list. Well, um, it sort of depends on how you're judging WrestleManias, to be honest, because okay. I I don't have a great affection for anything after a certain point, and I don't because re, because WrestleMania becomes something different. Abhorrent. Yeah, I mean, it it becomes a spectacle rather than part of an over of an yeah, how else to put it. It becomes a spectacle on its own merits rather than some part of something bigger. And I always liked it when it was part of something bigger. Mm. Uh, it was it was the end of year-long stories uh, and, and so on. And yeah, they've maybe tried to work some of that in with the Cena and Rot rematches. But WrestleMania really sells itself now. What is on it oh, is yeah. kind of incidental. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So anything after, I don't know, the mid-2000s, I don't remember what was on it so fair enough so 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 bearing that in mind you know i can only really talk about where it was up to when i was still watching regularly and, and giving a damn uh, and as i say it's one of the few matches with a genuine big fight feel so you've got to put it in the top half dozen matches in that respect uh for quality i don't know if it would get that high because there are some pretty brilliant mid-card matches that have probably beaten it out for my money okay that's um, interesting yeah, I mean, I, I am. What is, it, what is it for you? What is it that because you're a huge Bret Hart fan like myself, um, uh, old school uh, fan uh, in terms of what you like to see? I hope you don't think that unfair of me to say. Um, no. So, so what is it about it that you don't like? I think they've sort of painted themselves into a bit of a, a hole. Uh, they've picked a really good story, but they don't, oddly enough, considering these are the two talented you know, the guys, the best guys that they had, they, they don't quite have the right personnel for it because that whole first half, give or take, various bits can kind of mix in, but that first half is effectively Sean out-wrestling Brett. That's kind of the, the, the main narrative plot point of the first half of the match with various other bits mixed in. And Sean, as good as he is at his own style, is just not as believable when it comes to that side that side of things. So whenever Brett will turn it around, you'll have this little flash, this moment where everything picks up, the intensity gets that much better, the the fists will look a bit better because his fundamentals are better. You know, it, it will just be that bit sharper in those moments. So you've got a long stretch of the match where what they're doing on paper is absolutely fine, and it's as well executed as Shawn Michaels can execute it. But that's not as good as what it could have been 
if he was doing his own style or if Brett was on top. And I think that's why people find it boring, is they're watching Shawn Michaels not wrestle a Shawn Michaels match. That's a very interesting way to look at it. Uh, and it's a way I've never looked at it before. Um, I mean, I, what, I, what that, it's interesting you say that, because I've, I've never really balked at the, at the notion of Shawn out wrestling Brett in this Um I don't think I've ever really thought about why I don't balk at it. Maybe it's just because I have a, a mitigating love for the match itself. But um, I, I very distinctly um, recall revisiting Sean and Angle at WrestleMania 21 uh, some months back, voting with what's going on. And I always felt with any Bret Hart match, he was able to get the crowd to emote with what was going on. And it's not just this sense of hollow kind of cheering it was because I suddenly sort of thought, hold on, this is absolutely ludicrous because Sean is, they, they do a similar thing. Sean out wrestles Kurt Angle. And it's like, come on, Kurt Angle's a, you know, a legitimate gold medalist, amateur wrestler, one of the greatest amateur wrestlers many people had ever seen, out wrestled Brock Lesnar and stuff, and you're telling me Shawn Michaels can out wrestle him. And it feels like such a glib little unimaginative sort of story, obvious in its own way, mm. even though that sounds weird to say. And I had a really horrible reaction to it as a result, and then just didn't buy and then the rest of it just suddenly started to feel quite melodramatic and a bit silly, which I think is Sean's second career at its worst. Um, so it's interesting that you pick up pick up on that and that I sort of give it <laughs> give it a free pass, for lack of a better word. Well, I think there is a difference between um, the WWE overhyping Shawn Michaels to the point where he out-wrestles Bret Hart and then overhyping him to the point degree where he out-wrestles Kurt Angle. And then that, <laughs> that, that point needs to be made, first of all. It's not that I find it uh, to be a problem with the narrative. You know, the, I, they're, they're pushing Shawn Michaels, the idea that, oh, maybe he can actually go at that style as well as Bret. Maybe that's a story you want to tell. It's just that he isn't actually good enough to quite pull it off. It's not that he's bad. It's not that it doesn't work it's just it doesn't work fully if that makes sense and, and no, I, think that's why the, I think that's why the crowd are a little bit flat and that's why people that say it's boring in that first stretch in a way that Brett sections just have that little bit more pop sure yeah I think that's that's totally fair um, if it were a movie I guess we could call it poorly casted uh, <laughs> but in wrestling it sort of I guess works the opposite way around mm. um, Prime we're already at the end of the half hour so um, we've we've that flew by. Absolutely. Is there anything that we've not mentioned that you want to bring up before we head off? Specifically, you know, uh, you know there's uh, all sorts of stuff that I thought I was going to talk about, but it's all gone out of my head. Uh, oh, right, fair enough. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many things points about this match. Um, you know, when you do get into that moment, I think the, the, the moment where it does turn is that where Brett does the backflip and Sean just kind of goes about 10 feet in the air and lands down and that's about just before halfway and you get he takes control after that point and dominates most of the second half of the match that back half is great and yeah you can't have it without that first first half I suppose the only thing to wonder is whether or not it would have been more successful had things been done with more falls because that seems to be what people want out of Iron Man matches subsequently. Mm. Uh, I, and I know it does throw the central conceit out and the thing that makes it really notable, but maybe that would have been different. And I wonder if a more balanced match and a match that it delivered to everybody could have helped Sean stop having some of the problems that he had in 1996. Obviously, a lot of that's NWO related and fans drifting. 
but it's clear that he had his own issues with the fans by the summer. And I wonder if a WrestleMania main event that got everybody on side could have changed his summer. And if he has a different summer, he potentially has an entirely different, you know, first end to his first career, which is blighted by, you know, his great matches. And I, I maintain the best matches that he has are all between 1994 and 1997. Um, and if he'd been firing 100% mentally, and in terms of his commitment to go along with the physical talent that produced matches like, you know, the ones with Jeff Jarrett and with Razor Ramon and Mankind and Bret Hart. If he'd been able to do that, then I wonder how different things could have been all around. Mm. That's my one thing about, about the Iron Man matches. It sometimes feels like, like with so many things with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, another one of a long line of missed opportunities. And that's a great way to, to, to finish, a great note to finish on. Um, th- again, thank you, Prime, for coming on. The last two shows have been an absolute delight to have you on. I hope you've enjoyed them as much of, as, as I have. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we've we've already run out of time, but there we are. Um, if I'm able to ever wrangle you back on, I'll be more than happy to have you on. It'd be fantastic to talk about something like Montreal if the stars ever align. But um, in the meantime... Uh, thank you. Um, where can uh, can folks reach you anywhere on social media? Yeah, you can find me at LOP Prime Time, and you'll also usually find me hanging around the LOP forums. So make sure, and if you've if you do get a chance, folks, do head over to our columns forum where you can find Prime Time. I'll hang around there sometimes as well, and we get some great writers down there. So do check all that out, including Prime's No Bullshit Review, which is fantastic, and I I highly encourage you uh, to check that out. Prime, thank you. My thanks once more to my good friend Primetime for joining me. Hopefully we could try and figure out a future appearance for him on the show because it has been an absolute joy. In the meantime, if you do have any thoughts on anything we've discussed this week or on any other previous week, you can find me in the usual places. Hit me up on Twitter at LOP Plan. Look for me on Facebook, look up Samuel Plan, or best of all, of course, join us at the LOP forums, free to sign up, and you could be part of a great community. In the meantime, I'll be back again next week, of course. I hope you have a very good Christmas season, and I will see you next week. Have a good one, guys.